Would you go to Psalm 23 with me this morning? And I thought it would be a good morning for us to walk through this passage together. Psalm 23. This passage is probably the most familiar passage of Scripture in all of the Bible, I would imagine. A few weeks ago, we talked about the shortest verse of Scripture. Which my, it's my favorite one to memorize. Jesus, um, what, what was it, Jeremy? Wept. Jesus wept. Yeah. <laughs> so we talked about Jesus wept, the shortest verse of the Bible. And many times we have referenced John 3.16, for God so loved the world. That's probably one of the most known scriptures, right? But as far as scripture passages, I can't imagine that there are, are any other passage or that there is any other passage that is more popular than Psalm 23. And we see it uh, printed all the time during times of loss, but we reference it a lot and it's probably the most um, famous passage of scripture. Six little powerful verses. And sometimes I hear it and, and you hear it and we read it and we think about it. And then there are times I wonder, do we meditate on it? Do we really see the power? As I have tried to study and read that passage over and over this week, and I read it over and over yesterday, I thought, wow, this is only six verses, but isn't there a lot in these six verses? The Lord is my shepherd. You may want to just keep your Bible open this morning, and we'll just work our way through these six verses together, but let's read this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and then my cup runs over Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I ask you this morning, have you been introduced to the good shepherd? Have you heard about the good shepherd? Have you heard about Jesus Christ? After we have been introduced to him, I ask this, do you know him? Do you know him in what I would say an intimate, close relationship, friendship with him? Even deeper than that, do we seek to understand his ways and how this friend, this shepherd works in our lives? And then finally, I say to us this morning, have we determined and have we purposed that we will live or we will dwell, or Pastor Darrell's word, we will abide in his house forever. I thought Pastor Darrell was going to preach some of my sermon there a few minutes ago. I thought he is right on target, or maybe I'm right on target, or maybe we're both right on target this morning. But this psalm ends that we will live, we will abide in his house forever. Ever. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This good shepherd 
this good shepherd that, that we can read about in the New Testament. We can read about Jesus who he is the door to the sheepfold. And we can come in and find rest and his protection and his provision. These are the words of Jesus himself. This good shepherd Jesus in the words of Jesus himself who safely keeps the 99 yet cares so much for the one that he leaves the 99 and goes and finds that one lost sheep. I was that one lost sheep. You were that one lost sheep. And he comes and picked us up into his arms and took us up close to his heart and carried us back to the safety of the sheepfold. I'm preaching about the good shepherd this morning. As I was preparing and Studying this week, I thought about a man who was very dear to my life as a child and as a teenager. His name was Herbert. And I grew up in Abs Valley, the big metropolitan area of Abs Valley. A mountain on this side and a mountain on that side. And our little country church set up on the side of one of those mountains with a little cemetery behind it and the main road coming down in front of it. Herbert would sit on about right there on the second or third pew. And his worship always blessed me. And he would come up and sing. On Sunday nights, we had the specials. You remember the, the special singing? And he would come up and he would sing a special. And we weren't blessed with all the great music that we have here at this church. And, and we, those of us who sang specials, we had soundtracks or canned music. So what would happen if the Lord started blessing and people started getting ministered to, you would have to end those days. Anybody remember a cassette tape? Now, I know Josie won't remember, but anybody remember a cassette tape? And you would have to rewind that. And so the pastor would come up and, you know, say, continue worship, and I want you to sing that song again, and they would rewind the cassette tape, and then he would sing that song again. But Herbert would sing, and every time just about that he would sing, tears would just come flowing down his face. You see, he was like one of those little lost sheep that had wandered from the foal, and God had brought him back, and, and now he had such humbleness and gratefulness and such a worship in his heart and in his life. If I, know, if I remember correctly, his mother, her water broke within the church, in the church house, so he was almost born in the church. He was raised in the church, and his mother, we called her Mamaw. I've heard some of you use that term, Mamaw. Her name was Mamaw Hess, and Mamaw was one of the most godly women that I believe I had ever seen in my life, and she had raised those children right, but Herbert had wandered away in his youth from the Lord and he had had children of his own and started his family. But somewhere in his mid-30s, he found himself rocking in his rocking chair at his house. And the Lord and the Holy Spirit dealing with him, drawing him back to his roots, drawing him back to the faith of his mother and his father. And right there in his house, in a rocking chair, he had found the Lord and had been forgiven of all his sins. And the Lord, the shepherd, had come, picked him up, if you will, and brought him back. Back in the fold. And every time he sang and every time he worshiped, you would see that exuberance of worship, that tenderness of worship, those tears of gratitude. He knew the good shepherd and he knew the good shepherd had found him and brought him back to the fold. 
I say all of that to say this. There was a song that he used to sing with, uh, with a passion that I, I haven't seen anyone else sing it with. But a, a line from that song said, it talked about the good shepherd. And it said, I've been searching for you up and down every street. I've come to reclaim you, to bring you back to the fold. Thank God for the shepherd watching out for my soul. Can I tell you this morning, if you have wandered away from the fold and you know you need to come back to God, he is searching for you. The good shepherd is looking for you and wants to reintroduce you to himself. Somebody ought to say amen this morning. Have you been introduced to the good shepherd? Do you know him? Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? If so, the next step is this. We ought to cultivate relationship with him. We need to know him. After Donna asked me out several times, And, I find, and she's back there, by the way. So, so you all don't have to run and find her and tell her that's it. Because <laughs> I know you do. After she asked me out several times, and I finally said yes. And we started dating and started forming relationship, getting to know each other. And many times our length of our dates would be spent sitting in her driveway in my car, and we would just sit there and talk and talk. It was, it was very cost-effective, by the way. So much so that friends or people who knew us or church people, they, even when it was dark, they could come by the house and they would beep because they knew we were sitting in the car and they were beeping at us, saying hello. I don't know, do we beep around here? You know what I'm saying? Pushing the horn on your car? Beep? Yeah. <laughs> but we were getting to know each other. We had not only been introduced, but we were getting to know each other. When you get to know someone, you spend time with them, And eventually, if you cultivate that relationship, it becomes an intimate relationship. And I'm here to tell us this morning that our relationship with the Good Shepherd does not have to be superficial. Amen? It doesn't have to be surface level. So many times I feel like maybe folks, they know Christ, they've accepted him as their Lord and Savior, but they haven't really taken that time to, to dig in and, and, and to form an intimate relationship with him and to know him and to know who he is. Are we satisfied with him as part of our life or do we want him to be number one in our life? Let me give you a practical thing this morning. A practical way to live our lives in, in terms of priorities. God, family, church, vocation, and then hobbies. Now, if we follow that blueprint, God can bless our lives greater than he does already. God, family, church, vocation, or career, hobbies. That's a proper biblical alignment. All of those things are important. All of those things are biblical. But if we aren't careful, we can get any number of those out of line, out of alignment. But is God first in our lives? Is the, is the Lord our shepherd and is he number one? And did we know him and fellowship and relate to him in an intimate, intimate way? That first verse said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not Want. When I know him and when I'm reminded that he is the Lord 
Elohim, Jehovah, El Shaddai, all of the uh, adjectives that are attributed to Jehovah. That we could go down a long list of when I know who the Lord is and then I realize he is my shepherd. It leads me then to the last part of that verse and I can remind myself I shall not want. I shall not want. What does that mean? I can live in a condition of lacking nothing good. No, I don't have all of my wants. But I can live in a condition of lacking nothing that is good. Nothing that I need. I shall not want. I can live in a condition of total satisfaction. Have we ever seen a society or a group of people more now more than ever that can be so unsatisfied, so restless, so seeking and searching? But when I come to know the Lord and he is my shepherd, I shall not want. I can know full satisfaction deep down on the inside. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want speaks to a condition of security. I know him as my personal Lord and Savior. My eternal destiny has been secured. I shall not want. I shall not fear. I shall not wonder what the future may bring. And I'm not afraid to leave this life. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Cultivate a relationship with him. Know who he is. Then secondly, we should seek to understand his ways. Be introduced to him, know him, accept him, receive him, but then seek to understand his ways. Now, now let, me, let me say this. I might need to say it a couple of times. We might understand the what. We're going to see in some of these scriptures the what of what he does, many things that he does for us and in us and through us. But we will never fully understand the why. Is that okay this morning? There are some things we will understand the why, but there are some things we will never understand fully the why because we, were, we are human and we are finite and, and his ways are unsearchable and, and so we cannot grasp all of the why, but we can understand the what. We can understand and begin to discern, this is God working in my life. These are the things that God regularly does as our good shepherd. Read with me Psalm 23, starting at verse 2, and we're going to see many of these things that he does, the what's that he does as a good shepherd. Verse 2 says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. Many times I don't know the right way to go. And it's interesting to me that David said, he didn't just say he leads me to lie down in green pastures. He makes me to lie down in green pastures pastors. Anybody ever had a child or a grandchild that you had to make them go to bed? Would you please go to bed? <laughs> I am tucking you in right now and don't you leave this room. We're going to say you the prayer and you're going to have little Teddy and you stay put. Make them go to bed. Sometimes the Lord has to make us to lie down in green pastures. In those places where he can feed us. The sheep are in and of themselves, do not know how to find the good fields to pasture in and to feed in. So the shepherd naturally has to lead them there and make them to lie down there so that they can eat. And many times the Lord is working in our lives and taking us to a place where he can feed us and grow us. Then he leads me beside 
the still waters. Oh, that the world, the society around us could be led again by our Savior into still waters. Do you know I see a great difference? I want to be careful here, but I see a great difference in some of all of the many things that have been happening in our world today. COVID-related and the, the wars that are going on and, and the racial tension and the injustice and all of these things. I see a great difference, and I say this with love. And how people of faith in Christ handle these things and those who don't know Christ. I'm not saying that those who don't know Christ are necessarily even doing anything wrong or sinful, but they don't have that stillness. Am I preaching okay this morning? I, I sense that many times out and about and around and, and, and talking to people. See, those that don't know Christ, they don't have that peace, that stillness where he leads us beside the still waters. And I thank God that they can have that, and I pray that they will. But I, I remind us as Christians who are following the Good Shepherd, the events of this world do not have to unsettle us and unravel us. He leads us beside the still, the peaceful waters. Look at verse 3. He restores my soul when the weak has been heavy, when the burden has been heavy. When I have just been out in this world and seen so many things and you see so many things or maybe on the workplace you hear so much filth or whatever it is, our soul can become depleted, if you will, at times. But he restores my soul. Look at the next one. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. In a society where truth is being debated and truth is being redefined and some people don't really even know anymore what is truth or where to live their lives based upon or what foundation to build upon, he still leads us in the paths of righteousness. What's the first part of that word? Is right. Truth. He leads us in the path of righteousness. I don't have to be confused about what is wrong and what is right. As a Christian, I don't have to worry about what is sin and what is not sin. If I'm truly in intimate relationship with me, he will help me and lead me in the path of what is right, righteousness. He does this for his glory, for his honor, for his namesake. Seek to understand his ways. We're seeing all these things that he leads us to the right pasture. He puts us beside the still waters. He helps us to walk in the right path and to know what is right and what is wrong. And he even is with us in the valley of the shadow of death. Look with me at verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Let me stop right there and we'll pick up with the rest of it. Notice David said, I. Death is a personal thing. Death is something scripturally, doctrinally, we understand that every single one of us, unless we go in the rapture, and the rapture could happen at any moment, of course, but otherwise, every single one of us will die. Life is a vapor, the Bible says. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after death is the judgment that's another scripture we will all leave this world through death yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death but here's what I like about this yes I will die 
Barring the rapture, you will die. Barring the rapture. But David didn't say that I was going to dwell in death. Or that I would abide in the valley of death. What did he say? Though I what? Walk through. Walk through. Now I'm standing right now, right? And that means I'm staying put. I'm right here with this podium. But if I start walking towards you, I'm leaving this and I'm going someplace else. And that's a picture of what death is for the child of God. The Bible says precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of one of his saints. The Bible teaches me that when a child of God dies, the angels come to them and escort them immediately into the presence of the Lord. So for a child of God, death is not a permanent condition. It is very temporary. In fact, it is just a walking, if you will, from this life into the presence of God when we think about that it makes it a little easier to deal with though I walk through the valley now valley speaks to it being difficult and being hard and all the things leading up to that many times can be difficult and hard Uh, those of us who are left behind to grieve the loss on this end it is hard is it difficult but it says though I walk through the valley of the and here's one more There's so much richness just in this one verse. So much in just this one verse. Walk through, going through this hard time, but I'm immediately walking into his presence of the shadow of death. The shadow of death. Are you afraid of your own shadow? Has anybody ever asked you that? Or or they said, he is so timid, he's afraid of his own shadow. Have you ever heard that expression? He's afraid of his own shadow. Brad Woodski is afraid of his own shadow. He's brave. He's engaged to Josie. He's very brave. The shadow. (laughs) A shadow is not the real thing, is it? Have, Have you ever been hurt by a shadow? Right? And right here the psalmist calls the valley of death a shadow. Why does he call that a shadow? Because Jesus Christ himself has defeated the literal, real death, hell, and the grave. We preached about it several weeks ago. How Jesus, after he died, went into the heart of the earth and took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And they belong to him. And now for a child of God, death has no power. Death has no sting. It is just a shadow. It is just an angel escort into the presence of God. God. Somebody ought to say amen. Then he comes back into this existence for a little while, the shepherd here, and he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, it's easy if we aren't careful to picture that rod and that staff, and you think, oh, he's got that rod, which was a big piece of oak, is the best I can research it out, that the shepherd would hold, and then the staff that had the curving part on the end. Now, it's easy if we aren't careful to think of that rod as something they would take and maybe the sheep get out of line and him, you know. But if I research that correctly and I think about that correctly in context, that rod in the hand of the shepherd was to fight off the enemies, the prey, anything that would come to harm or hurt or steal the sheep. And Jesus Christ is still our good shepherd. He's still our defender today. 
And sometimes it might seem to us that everything has surrounded us and coming against us, but he is our defender. In fact, look at the next verse. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So many times that we say, I'm going to experience the peace of God, the provision of God, the table of God. I'm going to rejoice when all of these trials are over. But that's not scripture. He said, right in the middle of your trial, right in the middle when the enemy comes in, to use another biblical phrase, like a flood. When the enemy has surrounded you and you seem everything is going wrong and you just seem like nothing is happening good, it's all falling apart. He says, look, in the middle of all of that, I have made a table for you. I have spread out a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Have you ever gone to a restaurant where you get there and you're excited to eat? I'm going to try to say this without crying. And you get there and you realize you didn't have a reservation. And they require a reservation. You ever, ever happened to you? We were in Disney World or something one time and we did the park hop and everything. Everybody had got to do what they wanted to do. This was before Aaliyah's time, and Emily got to do, and Donna, and, and uh, Isaac, and I wanted to go back to this Japanese restaurant, and so that was on the end of the list. Of course, mine had to be last, but anyway, on the end of the list, and, and we're, we're park hopping, and we're getting there, and we get to that place, and you had to have a reservation. We couldn't get in. Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Pray for me as I still deal with that, the anguish of that. But I want to tell you this morning that that table that is spread before you in the presence of your enemy is an open invitation. The good shepherd says you can come and sit at this table and be refreshed and be helped and be ministered to and be lifted up and to feel my love and my hospitality towards you right in the middle of your trial. You don't need to wait until the victory comes. You don't need to wait until the problems stop or cease. Come and have a seat in this table I have spread before you in the presence of your enemy. And can I tell you who does not have an invitation or an RSVP or a reservation to the table? The enemies. It's a beautiful thing, but the enemies have to stand back and watch as God ministers to you at the table that he spreads before you in the presence of your enemies. What does he do at those tables? We're talking about what the Lord does. We're talking about seeking to understand his ways. He anoints. Look at the second part of verse 5. You anoint my head with oil. That speaks to cleansing, taking the dirty sheep and taking the oil, cleansing. It speaks to healing, taking the wounded sheep and pouring in the oil and, and cleaning, and cleansing and healing. It speaks to anointing. Don't you feel better after you've been all cleaned up and how you've been all ointment and how those sheep have come? But that oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. You know, we've spent almost all year really preaching about the Holy Spirit, but the Good Shepherd wants to anoint our head with oil, and it's a working, and it's a moving, and it's a beauty of the Holy Spirit that comes upon us. No wonder, he says, my cup runs over. The internal runs over. 
Don't focus on the external. Don't focus on what's happening in the world. Don't focus on the problems. But on the inside, regardless of all of that, I can have so much blessing of God and peace of God and oil of the Holy Spirit that it can run out and runs over. My cup runs over. Last verse. Cultivate relationship with him. Seek to understand his ways. And the third point is live in his care forever. Live in his care forever. Live in his care forever. Look at this verse six. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will live. I will dwell. I will abide. I will stay in the house of the Lord forever. They said when you research out some of those Hebrew words, it's talking about a state of continuation, not just in this life, but in the life to come. Not just in the life to come, but in this life. He is telling us we can live now and then, yesterday, today, tomorrow, for all eternity. We can live and dwell and abide in his house for. Ever. I'm going to ask uh, Cole and Grace, I asked them if they would sing for us this morning a song that they sang on Wednesday night. And it was a, you know, it's a tough week for all of us. And I came in just a little bit late Wednesday night and they were singing this song. And it was like the, the Holy Spirit and the Good Shepherd was just pouring that oil onto me. The song says, I still trust you. I want to tell you this morning, we can still trust the good shepherd. Amen. You may want to make sure it's not transposed. We can still trust the good shepherd. Would you stand with me this morning? We'll have them sing this song. It embodies this message probably better than I was able to articulate it this morning. This altar is open. If you want to come and pray, if you need to be prayed for, if you want to come and worship, but I want to encourage us to pray, seek the Lord, and let the Lord minister to you during this time. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, He wants to be the good shepherd in your life. And you can come and accept Him as your Lord and Savior. Or you can stand or kneel right where you are, or bow your head right where you are and say, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive my sins. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord this morning. This altar is open for you, but let's worship and let the Lord bless you today. Thank you, Grace. Thank you.